All right, welcome back. Episode 70 of the Young Old Heads podcast, a number that only Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds understand. Um, I'm one of your co-hosts, Ma- Tommy. I'm one of your co-hosts, Max, a.k.a. Cards Max. And I'm your other co-host, Tommy, TV Sports Cards. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, with us today is our is one of my favorite collectors in the game. Uh, definitely not biased here, but also founder and CEO of BuySportsCards.com, Connor. Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on on a Sunday evening. I know I'm sure you have a bunch of stuff going on, but uh, you know, we we connected, I think, last year around this time uh, when I was still working at Ludex. Um, I was, you know, I think we you hit me up because you saw, I think, maybe my random YouTube video that's out there of me talking about our favorite set, Upper Deck Power Up from 2004. But um, we had a great conversation like a year ago about your journey in cards. And I was really trying to maybe make a connection and get Ludex plugged into buysportscards.com. Um, the best SEO value site in the history of sports cards, in my opinion. Um, but Connor, you want to just give people a little intro of who you are and what you kind of do in the card game right now? Yeah, so thanks for that. Like you said, uh, founder and CEO of buysportscards.com. Uh, so it's a marketplace really trying to make it a lot easier to buy and sell cards and primarily focusing on the lower to mid end of the market, which I don't think necessarily gets the attention it deserves. That's kind of where I collect. I know it's where we've kind of made the connection with the Upper Deck Power Up set. And so we launched the site back in March of 2022. Uh, since then, we have eight and a half million cards available on the website and we've grown very, very quickly. I think besides eBay, we've actually had the most cards listed on our site since the site launched back in March. So We've made a lot of good progress, and I think that uh, hopefully we continue to make more and kind of making a marketplace that's really tailored and specialized for sports cards. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a big fan of how you have this site set up. I think it you know has a lot of potential. The the sheer quantity of cards that have been posted is really impressive. Uh, can you give us just like kind of an overview of like where you started as a kid to how you ended up you know deciding to start your own like marketplace website? Yeah, so I I think like a lot of other people started collecting cards pretty young. Uh, People our age, it's not just sports cards. It's also trading cards, obviously, that have played a big part, whether that's Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. And so I probably got into cards, I would say, around first grade or so, you know, for good grades or, you know, good sporting events, stuff like that. And so I'd go to really where I'd get like the power up cards would go to Quick Trip, a gas station. I don't know. Do you you have Quick Trips uh, around the years? Where did you grow up, Connor? St. Louis. So yeah. Yeah. So quick trip, Target, you know, Walmart places like that. Um, and really kind of sets that weren't glamorous were kind of the stuff that I would collect. So the Donruss Studios, the Upper Deck Power Up, Press Pass College Sports, stuff like that. And um, you know, I probably like a lot of other people around middle school, I kind of started getting out of cards a little bit, having other kind of things that you do, play video games, sports, whatever else. Um, really kind of came back to the hobby uh, in general around like 2016, um, finding some of my old trading cards that I had collected. And really, like I said, around 2018, 2019, diving deeper back into sports cards and seeing some of the um, shortcomings, I think, of other sites out there, seeing maybe potential for wanting to do different stuff and, and really deciding to pull the trigger in late 2020 uh, to build by sportscards.com. So it's a little bit of a gap, like I think most people, but glad that I was kind of brought back in before all the fun stuff started up again. Well, Matt, as Max likes to say, you are a pre Gary V re-entry though. Like you weren't a COVID re-entry into the hobby. You yeah. were, you were involved before then. Uh, I think you are the first Yu-Gi-Oh expert that's ever been on the podcast, Max. Am I wrong? Sounds like you're right, but I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know, but can you, can you I give us a little window? Into maybe trading card Joe, but. Connor, can you give us a little window into the Yu-Gi-Oh world? I don't like what's the 1952 top set of Yu-Gi-Oh? Is there one? Yeah, so the, the first set that they released for Yu-Gi-Oh is called Legend of Blue Eyes. Um, that's probably like the highest end stuff. And they've obviously have like a first edition, like the first print of the cards that are labeled and then an unlimited. So I would say probably uh, LOB first, like the Legend of Blue Eyes first. You also kind of have those starter decks like Starter Deck Yugi, Starter Deck Kaiba that came out right around the same time, actually within a week or so. Uh, it was like March, I think it was March of 2002. So, you know, kind of place yourself where you were at at that time. I was, uh, you know, six. So that's kind of five, six years old. That's kind of when I, like I said, got into cards. 
And um, yeah, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh is really interesting. It's interesting to hear people from the sports card industry talk about the trading card games because, you know, I, with me having a local card store as well that focuses on trading card games specifically, I think I understand some of the intricacies of trading card versus sports cards and how they're different in a lot of ways. Uh, they are similar, but there's huge differences. A lot of that market is really pushed by people that play the card games. So there's a lot of uh, skill. There's a lot of, you know, moving kind of goalpost in terms of what cards are good and not good. Um, you know, for a game like Yu-Gi-Oh! Collectors kind of take a backseat to players. Pokemon is probably the most similar to sports cards where it's more kind of collector first rather than people playing the games. But, you know, those are those are definitely really interesting cards. And I think, you know, as we get older, we'll see kind of sports cards and trading cards sharing the limelight. Whereas I don't know if that was the case for people a generation before us. Yeah, Max. Max is a Max. You want to give your Pokemon lore background for Connor because you you have a semi similar similar background. Just replace Yu-Gi-Oh with Pokemon. Oh, I ripped Pokemon as a kid. Sports cards were definitely secondary to poke. Like people liked and respected sports, but back in my day, back in my day, people ripped Pokemon and wanted to trade Pokemon cards with each other, not knowing what how to play the game or anything like that. Grants were talking at about a very young age, maybe six to 10 years old. But yeah. that was the age where Pokemon cards were it. And you never, you never ripped Yu-Gi-Oh, Max? Correct. Never once? For dorks. I'm glad you brought up, Connor, the fact that... But, like, yeah, no, but I think that's part of the appeal. I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is specifically in the niche for people that really want to get into TCG really want to get into the gaming aspect, really want to watch the TV show or the TV show that was there when we were kids. Pokemon, it's just fire animal and grass animal. Look at pretty picture, get rare card. Yeah. So it's two very different demographics that each are very proficient in their own niches. So so Connor, where, where does Yu-Gi-Oh, can you rank like which card, trading card games, since you are kind of a trading card game expert in some capacity, mm -hmm. like, which ones are most focused on the game and like the the playing of it? Because I, I, I had a lot of exposure to Magic the Gathering when I was at Ludix and kind of got thrown into the world there and how competitive people are and how people don't, some people are super anti-grading the cards because then, you know, they're not yeah. playable. Um, so like, where does Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, I think you said One Piece is the new game, right? Um, yeah. And then yeah. I know Disney, the Lorcana Disney game is really kind of popping off and we haven't really talked about that on the podcast before but where where do those rank because let's say pokemon is like the least about the game which one's like the most about the game um i would probably say well it's hard because Ma magic has tried to get more into some of these collector oriented sets with like the lord of the rings and you know partnering with different ips you know with them being owned by hasbro i think there's kind of a lot of overlap there that they can you know do some cool things with some of those brands um you know really I would say Yu-Gi-Oh! maybe is a little bit more collector-oriented than Magic, though, because I think you have the nostalgia. Magic started up, I think, in 93. Um, and so Magic's actually really interesting, too, because Magic's more tied to, like, the older comic book stores. So, like, people that were playing, you know, Dungeons and & Dragons and people collecting comic books. Whereas, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon coming around, you know, 98, 99, you know, 2002... They, they really have kind of been this later wave of, of card stores that are really more focused on cards only. You know, you don't see comic books and as many of the board game stores as you did back when Magic came out. And so there's also kind of a, a chasm between those type of collectors uh, as well. But yeah, there's those are like the three big games is Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic and um, Pokemon. And then you've kind of got always like a fourth one that rotates in. It's been Dragon Ball Super at different times, Digimon, One Piece, My Hero, uh, you know, Lorcan is popular now. I'd say Lorcan is probably more akin to like a like a Pokemon, where it's a lot of collectors and probably not as many players that are pushing the market around. Yeah, for sure. Well, th thanks for thanks for giving me that little overview because like I I have these little bits and pieces that I know about the trading card game world, but as I've told on the podcast before, my my LCS growing up was like very much more on the on the trading card TCG game side, and I was always just like really just like get me to the back of the shop where the, the sports cards packs are and was like kind of intimidated by the world because it seemed like these guys were like playing this game super intense and I was just like you know a young kid just wanted to get my little baseball card packs but um 
not to not to transition the topic too quickly, but Connor, I think we kind of brushed over your enterprise and I want to give you, you know, some space and time to talk about kind of it's by sportscards.com. And we just spent yeah. five minutes talking about trading card games. Like what, what was the idea because of this background in TCG? Why was sports cards kind of the idea? And then like, how did building a website like this is, must be insanely complex. So just a little window into like how you were able to build something like this. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it's actually really important kind of understand my background in trading cards to get to kind of where the, the sports card aspect of it is. So when I when I kind of got back in around 2016, I was actually buying and selling a lot of cards, probably similar to what Max does from what I see on Twitter, at least. And, you know, I started with about 100 bucks, 150 bucks. And within two years, I built up, you know, to doing over a quarter million dollars a year in business from my dorm, reselling Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And, you know, it was a pretty you know big jump from from there to there. But um, I think one of the big things was seeing the difference between a site like eBay versus a site like TCG player and seeing really the possibilities of having a marketplace that's tailored towards a specific category, how much easier it makes it for both the buyer and the seller was really eye-opening to me. You know, moving from eBay to TCG player saved a lot of time. Uh, the fees were lower at the time. Um, and you started to see also, because I was playing the card game as well and going to events, it was just it was, you know, hand in glove, how well it fit together. And so, you know, as 2018, 2019, I started getting back again into sports cards more. So you started to look around and see that there really wasn't a lot of new sites that had popped up that were really tailored towards collectors. I mean, you know, there's been a big push, I think, in the last five years for these higher end auction sites, which is great. Um, but the reality is most people aren't spending, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars uh, a month on cards. You know, it's people that have you know, 20, 50, 100, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month of spare income that they want to collect cards. And they're probably buying a lot of cards like you and I buy the stuff that's less than $20. And, you know, there's not a lot of innovation that's happened probably in the last 10 or 15 years. Com C probably being the last one, I think they were around 2009. Um, and so that's really been where I think I saw an opportunity and seeing that it didn't exist. And, you know, with my own experience with a site like a TCG player, and also, you know, different e-commerce sites that I've used that were more specialized marketplaces. I thought, you know, sports cards have spanned 150 years. There's about 17 million sports cards, like SKUs, that have ever been created. Um, and if you look at the most recent sets, there's 40, 50 different color parallels. So I kind of thought, if this isn't a site that needs, you know, or a market that needs structure from its marketplace, you know, it doesn't need to be streamlined, then I'm not really sure what category does. But lo and behold, you see it for trading cards you know, shoes, musical instruments, cars, um, you know, craft goods, used watches. I mean, go down the line of all of these sites that have been tailored towards it. And, you know, like you said, I think that the work required to do something like this has probably been the deterrent for most people. There's just so much data required to kind of build that infrastructure. But, you know, it was something that I was passionate about because of my own collecting and, and through my experiences of seeing how much time I saved in other businesses and, and you know, adjacent industries, I thought, we could hopefully do the same thing for people within sports cards. Yeah, I love it. And I, yeah, our conversation last year, I remember talking to you a lot about the the problems with the data sets of sports cards and stuff like that. But um, something that me and Max were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Connor, which kind of got us really excited to talk to you was this promo that you did in October mm -hmm. uh, for sellers. And uh, can you tell the people kind of what you did to incentivize people to list some cards? Yeah, so we ran a program in um, in October that we called the BSC Seller Spooktacular, kind of playing into the theme. And really the big thing is we're a site where, you know, one of the things we didn't mention, and it's a, bi a big thing, I think a lot of other businesses would probably put that first and foremost, but we actually have no fees for buyers or sellers on the site. And really the biggest thing we're trying to do, and I think where a lot of new businesses miss the mark in the industry, is that they try to build, you know, 10 years worth of credibility into like a year's worth of advertising budget and hope that, you know, people trust them and that they're able to, you know, garner the respect in the industry. And that's just not how a hobby like this works. I think you need to be around, you need to prove yourself. And so we've kept the site now free for a year and a half um, with the idea of getting people into the site, seeing what we've built. And what we see is when people use it, they like it and they want to stay on. And I think that they kind of go along with us for where we would like to go and kind of the vision ultimately. Um, but that's kind of the same idea behind this seller spectacular. So basically we have different um, amounts that we credited sellers for their listings. So for raw cards without an image, it was two cents per listing for raw cards with an image. It was four cents per listing. Um, and for graded cards, it was 20 cents. And then based if it's vintage, there was bonuses associated with it. But 
you know, really what we saw was pretty incredible over the course of the month. We had over a million cards listed. Uh, we paid out over $10,000 worth of credits to sellers just for them listing the cards on the site. Um, and especially in a market like this, where, you know, not our site, we have the benefit of being new. So we're continuing to be on the upswing, but you know, I see a lot of things about eBay and other sites that people sell on how their sales have been lower. And so we've really leaned into some of these things, uh, whether it be the no fees or doing promotions like this to get people to give us a chance. And we start to see that a lot of sellers are like, you know, I'm not selling much on a site like an eBay. So, you know, why don't I give BSC a try? And that's really been the best way that we've been able to get people over. And so it's, uh, it's been pretty exciting. You know, I think it was the equivalent of one card listed every two to three seconds over the course of October on our site. So pretty big numbers and a lot of stress on the system, but we managed and, and made good progress. Oh, that's super cool. I hadn't, I've never heard of anything like that. Max, you're kind of a connoisseur a little bit of how marketplaces have launched. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on I mean, this promo? Compared one, to everything of the, one of the pressing issues that I usually hear in regards to trading card competitors, you know, through eBay, I guess, and sites where you can list items is why should it's great that, oh, you know, there's low fees or great that, oh, you have alleged buyers with the most valuable resource is time. And yeah. it's not a matter of, oh, you don't lose anything by putting thing, putting a card on a website and it not listing. But there is a certain requisite of time that if I put my cards on eBay, I know I'm going to get a certain amount of impressions and I know I'm getting the most impressions possible when listing to eBay. But yeah. hearing your response, that's actually the first real substantive answer to why should I list on your site? Because I'm getting... I guess, first of all, no fees. Second of all, you're getting credit to list on the site, or at least during the aforementioned promotion. It really mitigates the now the downside of giving buy sports cards a chance in a relatively ruthless market and not money, but the time it takes to laboriously upload so many listings of cards. So I really like that. Yeah, no, and that's a great point. And, you know, one of the other things I hadn't mentioned yet, but it, it's to the same thing is, our North Star for the business is making it easier to buy and sell cards. That means reducing friction. That means saving people time. And so one of the things, kind of the idea behind the site is we have about 17 million SKUs in the database. And that means we have the sport, the year, the set, the player, the team, the card number, attributes about the cards, such as rookie card, autograph, serial number. We have these checklists in our database. And so what we have is the ability for people to list cards much more quickly, because when you go to a site like an eBay, you know, if there's 20 different fields of information you have to fill out, if we have 17 of them, which are pertinent to the card's information, all we need from you is what's the condition of your card? What do you want to price it at? And how many do you have? And so yeah. that, you know, that removes 85% of the steps. And we actually have a, a, as well, a bulk upload tool, which for people that have a lot of these lower end base cards that we really have a lot of inventory for, you know, people that are cracking a box of, you know, the new tops flagship you can go pull up the 2022 or 2023 tops base set and pull the whole checklist up and go down the line and say, I've got five of this one, two of this one, three of this one. And what we've seen is we have people that have listed in the course of an afternoon in four or five hours, 25,000 cards on our site. And so that's something that is not possible to do on a site like eBay. The other thing being is that with the site being free, you know, we have people on our site that have over a million cards. If you had over, 100,000 listings on eBay, it's $3,000 uh, a month. So there's just a lot of limitations for people that have lots of cards. And like you said, saving time is the biggest thing. So, you know, they kind of come for the 0% fee, they come for the promotion, but they stay because they see that I think we've made it easier for them to get these cards up quickly. Yeah, it looking at the site, it kind of reminds me of a hybrid of, of which I guess seems is very fitting giving your background, but TCG player, and comp c and one of the biggest you know downfalls of tcg player is that for i think most cards i think up until the up until you don't have pictures required until you reach the 100 range or the 250 range and there's a lot of nefarious and uh, malicious near mint cards that are not actually close to near mint and yeah. the combination of it being comp c with all the attributes and it being organized by player and everything like that but not being ultra specific so again, that's just my impressions of what comes to mind. It's again, I'm rooting for you. I definitely hope that it continues taking off. Obviously with the numbers that you're uploading, it's crazy. 
ComC, you were saying, came out in 2009 and really way earlier than that, I think. I'm sorry, I'm fumbling numbers. What correct me? Tommy. I think it's 2009, but you can check. Yeah, I heard Connor say 2009. Yeah. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. I think I think Tim had his, his own site before then, though. Mm-hmm. It was like That's low price cars or something like that. But yeah, go ahead. What was your point with it? It's definitely a hybrid in terms of like what the marketplace needs between complexity and simplicity. And the only website that has gained so such mainstream attention that websites have to use it for comps because it is such an indication of true market value is MySlabs. And I want to say that was like 2019, 2020, maybe 2021, but it's somewhere in that range where they really started taking off. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing that they have is low fees and simplicity. And I think one of their problems is no one looks at the site at all outside of the newly uploaded, but it's definitely like you need, yeah, which I think you're doing well. It's a catering to the equilibria of simplicity and complexity while maintaining fees that are low enough to make it more enticing than the 13% and one and the 10% on sales tax that eBay has. Yeah. Yeah. And just to give the people back home kind of some info, Connor, I know like looking at the site, you can see this stuff, but like, how are you overcoming the, the condition part? Cause I know when me and Max previously on the podcast, I've talked about TCG player. It's kind of the ambiguousness of the condition uh, parts of it. So how, how do you on buy sports, buy sports cards.com, like do the condition? Yeah, so that's a good point. And it's really interesting to hear Max's perspective as well, too. Um, because like I said, when I played the the card game, the near mint, it, it's not as important. But if you're buying on TCG player Pokemon cards because you want to submit them to PSA uh, to get them graded, that near mint becomes a lot more uh, something that you hone in on in terms of that. And so that's one of the things with sports cards as well as sports cards are a lot more condition dependent, especially as you get into vintage and other stuff. And so with a promotion like we ran, you know, having higher dollar amounts attributed to images um, right now, kind of the procedure that we have in place. And it's something that I think that we'll make alterations to as we go forward with feedback from both buyers and sellers. But we require images for all graded cards just for verification purposes. And, and typically you also see that the more expensive cards are graded cards. So it's a little bit of a protection for both the buyers and the sellers. For raw cards right now, there's no requirement for images, but images are completely recommended on all listings. And we see people uploading their own images in a lot of cases. Really the idea behind that, because some people have said, well, I, I wouldn't buy anything without a picture, but there are a lot of cards people would buy without a picture. I mean, there's, if I see somebody upload a, a power, a power up blue, they're so hard to find. I just want to buy it. Or people that are filling out, you know, you know, they want to get every card from the flagship set. I don't know if a 25 cent, if somebody says it's near mint and you have buyer protection, if it doesn't meet that condition on our site, it's not something where people lose their mind over it. Um, I think that we'll probably move towards any card um, that's over somewhere between 10 and $20 is kind of the sweet spot that we see people want to start seeing pictures of the cards um, across the board. So we'll probably at some point here in the next month or so implement something around there, maybe $15 and say any card needs a picture over $15 just to provide additional um, support and confidence for buyers. But the thought for us this whole time is, I would rather somebody list a card without a photo and the buyer have the option if they want to buy it, than somebody say, you know what, it's not worth me taking a picture of a 25 cent card. So I'm not going to list it online. So, you know, kind of juggling between those two has kind of been where we are at. Uh, I think a lot of sellers appreciate the turnkey of it, but then unfortunately some sellers will exploit it and list $50 cards without, you know, pictures. And so that's where I think we're trying to kind of find that sweet spot right now. And, kind of where it seems to come down is probably around 10, 15, $20 or more for raw cards. And I think we'll also probably put something for like serial numbered cards, less than five, uh, just in case. Cause sometimes people mislist cards as well. And they have to refund them. Cause it's like, Oh no, I didn't have a, you know, a prism black. That was actually just a, a base card. And it was dark when I posted. Yeah. It. Like the bronze, like, Oh, this was a Chronicles bronze foil that I would list it as a gold foil. Yeah. Um, Max for some context, what, what's the cheapest cards that you will list on eBay? Three bucks. Three bucks. And that's free shipping, right, though? Correct. So it's basically like two bucks, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of what you get, like, what do you what do you make off a $3 sale on eBay? By two bucks. Like two bucks? Okay. And, well, and Connor, do you guys have... Sorry, go ahead. 
No, and then he's got the standard envelope. Yeah, and, and that's funny because for us, our minimum checkout for a buyer is $3 per seller. So, okay. you know, that's one of the things that we want to put in place because we have 25 cent cards on our website. We're not going to put 25 cents with free shipping and then somebody checks out and it's like, well, you owe 65 cents for a stamp. You know, you owe the 30 cents on the, the processing fee, you owe the 3.4% on top of that. And so we have a $3 minimum on our site. Um, and the other thing too, I think that's interesting about our site as well. And I don't know if either, either one of you knew this is that we're actually the only site besides eBay that has the standard envelope option within the website. And I'm actually, I'm pretty sure that we're the only site that even has built in shipping as an option that you can purchase shipping labels, you know, first class priority at discounted rates inside of the site. You can insure packages, you can get signature confirmation, you know, you don't have to go to pirate ship or stamps.com. Uh, to, to purchase those labels, we have it all built in with a standard envelope option on our site. And that was a really big thing we added about a year ago, um, which was huge because it, once again, it kind of provides that that comfort on smaller dollar sales that you can kind of see where things are at in the process of the delivery. That's sweet. Yeah, I didn't know about the in-site in shipping stuff. That's really cool because I know something that's like a big gripe with ComC and Connor, you obviously are not going to have to talk shit about any of your competitors, but I will talk about ComC because, you know, I, I think I bought like 50 cards on there one time when I first got on there. And then I you go to check out or like ship and you're like, oh, what? Like this is in, I did not know that it was like basically one dollar per card. Like that doesn't really make sense. So I like the three dollar minimum rule. That's pretty cool. Um, I did have one other question before we get to talk about the fun stuff, like what you collect and nerd out a little bit. But Max has has a famous rant on this podcast about or not rant necessarily, but a bit about alts launch and how the alt promo at the national is really uh, successful for them. Max, do you want to give a quick TLDR for people about about that? Yeah, they gave out $50 cash to you and anyone else that you referred. <laughs> yeah, which was insane. Um, yeah. But I'm always as a marketing person, I'm kind of interested always in kind of how you're growing the site and the different pathways that you've gone, especially in the hobby, since the hobby is kind of, you know, there are a lot of people who do all their business online, but then there's also all these people who do zero business online. Um, so what's been your strategies other than, you know, doing these like seller promos for getting people on the site? Like, are you setting up at shows? Are you running like Google ads or I don't know, you don't need to give too much, but like I'm mainly interested in if you've gone to like shows and set up and what sort of like ways that you get feedback from people too. Yeah. So that, that's a really interesting, it's something I actually talked to a lot of the other people that have startups in the industry because, you know, being small bootstrapping the company, I think another interesting thing about our site is that I've completely self-funded it. So, you know, I made it a point, I didn't really want to go to investors because I didn't want to kind of get pushed around on the vision of the site. And, you know, that obviously has its limitations, but I, I think it has its benefits, especially in a market like this, where people are having a harder time getting more money. Um, for their businesses. But when it, when it comes to advertising and growing the site, uh, I go to a lot of shows and interact and talk to buyers and sellers on our site and, and see what's going on. We're not setting up at booths though, because the reality is at a card show, most people don't want to talk to companies. You know, I mean, most people want to look at cards. We're not a consignment service. We don't have, you know, possession of cards like a golden or a PWCC or heritage that we're going to have a bunch of cool items at the, at the booth. And so as much as I think our site's really cool and people love to learn more about it, you know, I go to card shows because I want to look at cards, not because I want to, you know, talk to businesses. Now, I guess I have to talk to businesses because I'm in the business. But, you know, for us, we've uh, we've really taken it with the, the free site. Word of mouth has been huge for the growth of our, our company. So, you know, we have about 26,000 followers on our Instagram. We have close to 10,000 on Twitter. Um, and that was something that I worked really hard to build in the early days just so that we could get feedback from people um, and, and see what people liked. Not, you know, sometimes I think you get a little bit too pigeonholed into your own ideas and think that you've got all the answers. And sometimes it's good to bounce those ideas off of other people. So getting involved on social media, being active there has been huge for our growth. We run ads in different places, like you said, Google or Facebook or stuff like that. But generally I would say word of mouth has been the biggest thing. And I think that's probably the best thing for anybody that wants to have a, a business in this industry or any other industry that's so close knit is if you do a good job, if you've built a good product that, you know, saves people time, saves people money, or they just, you know, believe in where you're going, they're going to be kind of the the best evangelist for what you want to do. And, you know, at a certain point, that's a little cheaper, I think, than giving everybody 50 bucks. And so that's kind of the way that we've went about doing it so far. And it's worked well for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I Yeah, you all definitely did not take your path of bootstrapping it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> no. um, but 
I'm excited to, you know, see the growth. I think everyone who's listening should check out, check out what you're doing and see if you can find any. I mean, I personally today, I found a 2014-15 Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, talented twosomes insert red foil parallel, which I had literally never seen on eBay. You had one up for like, I think it was 25 bucks or something. And Hmm. after we finish recording this, I'm going to buy it because I want that card and I've never seen it before. So, you know, I love the search function. And just like something that you can't really do on eBay, as you talked about, just like the the different levels that you've done with the data set, I think is way beyond what anyone besides like, I think you and Comsi are kind of the only ones doing anything remotely close to that. And I'm just, I'm a big fan. So I'm excited to see where it goes, but back to where we started here, Connor, the, the genesis of us connecting with each other was your love for my favorite set or I don't know, one of my favorite sets. Uh, 2004 upper deck power up baseball. And, uh, I, I've kind of done the history, but it was probably like 50 episodes ago. So I'll do the quick TLDR and then Connor, you come in with anything I forget, but basically in 2004 upper deck put out an hundred card set with a 40 card insert set too. 40, 50. I think it's 40. Yeah. Yeah. 40 card inserts. And it's uh, all the players have like big heads. You know, there's a lot of history of big heads being in sports cards. I think that there's like a 90s and Fleer insert that is very popular, but uh, there's four or five parallels. There's green base. We got orange. We got purple. We got the pink, pinkish purple yeah. color. Yeah, magenta color. And then we got this awesome blue holographic kind of color that were, I think people claim the print runs like 30 on these, I believe. Um, yeah, you, you sent me this one for it, didn't you? Yeah, and then me, me like and Connor we like swapped partners here. I used to have this one, I used to have that one, and now, yeah. now, yeah. I, so, I bought a box when I got back into the hobby in 2020. At the end of 2020, I bought a box of upper deck power up for like 45 bucks shipped on eBay because I was, you know, I got them from Sports Authority or Sports Mart back in the day. That's where I got power up. Um, and the blues are super rare. I was like, I'm just going to buy a box. I think there was one on eBay and I bought it for like 45 bucks. Now they go for like a hundred bucks plus, um, which is pretty crazy. There's been a, a Griffey blue, I think sold for like 500, 600 bucks raw a couple years ago now, maybe a year ago. Um, but Connor, what, what's your story with this set? And like, what, what's your, what's your project you're working on? Yeah. So this is a hundred percent my favorite set and not just, you know, I've got the, the Pujols one, which was like the top one for me being from St. Louis, obviously. Um, and then I also am into the uh, the football ones as well. So that's one that there's not as many people that are into the football ones. I really wish they would have had the basketball ones. I know you and I have talked about that before. Uh, that would have been pretty incredible. I think that would have been, you know, LeBron's rookie year or second year in the league. Um, you know, and there's a lot of great NBA players from that time. But yeah, it was a set, same kind of thing. I would get them at, like I said, Quick Trip was the primary place as a gas station by me. The packs were pretty cheap. I think they're about $2 a pack. And I think being a kid at that time, eight years old and in all the colors and the big heads and the distortions and the players, you know, bodies was something that was pretty cool. And like you said, I've, I've really kind of went down the rabbit hole trying to find stuff uh, about the set. And it's really interesting. A lot of the links are broken. If you use like the Wayback machine and try to go through upper deck to find them. Um, but yeah, I, I, from what I know, at least about the set is I think that they were trying to use kind of the scoring thing to play into the whole Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon popularity for kids our age. And it was also something that they were doing promotions to try to promote like their upper deck website at the time in the upper deck for kids website. And so you could go on there and like submit your cards. They've got the codes like on the side here, right? I don't know if you can see that. Uh, they've got these codes right here. And so you'd go enter those like each week and it's like whoever had the most would enter into a raffle. And I think it was called talking about upper deck? Upper yeah. Deck. yeah. I know exactly what you're referring to. That was one of my yeah. gateways cards. Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they had a, uh, it was called the Ken Griffey Jr. Experience. And I, I think what it is, I'm not positive because you can't find it uh, specifically anywhere, but I'm pretty sure what it was is you and your team, like your T-ball team or your baseball team would be able to have batting practice with Ken Griffey Jr. If you were like the winner at the end of it. Um, so, you know, a pretty cool promotion that they were running. Um, I don't remember who the group was. It was some sort of little league organization that they had partnered with. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a thing that they pushed. My favorite thing is that even when looking at like $10,000 plus Michael Jordan cards, 
if you look on the back, there's still that four letter, you know, alphanumeric code on the back that you yeah. type in. Yeah, so it, it didn't does. discriminate in terms of the types of cards that it promoted. Yeah, exactly. For real. And uh, Connor, what's so you're building the the master set. So what what does that mean? What what are you going for? Yeah, so for both the baseball and the football set, I'm trying to get all of the, the main parallels. So I'm starting, I finished the base for both of them. I finished the, the next level up, the 100 point for baseball. I'm almost done with football. And then I'm working my way. There's the 250, which is, they're different. They're actually different colors for the different sports. Uh, there's, but there's 10 is the base, 100 point is the next level up, then 250, 500, and 1,000. And so I'm trying to get every card from the parallels of the sets. It's difficult. Um, you know, I originally, when I decided to do it, I grabbed a lot of cards and now it's kind of like waiting for the rainy day to see if one pops up. I actually got a, uh, my kind of recent purchase. I picked up a, a purple Jombie, uh, so a Jason Jombie. So that was one that I got recently that checked that box off, but yeah, I thought it would be easier than it is. These, these blue ones and the gold ones for football, the thousand point, they don't pop up very much. I mean, I've got, I think eight of the gold ones for football and 10 of the, the blue ones for baseball so i have a ways to go to, to finish those ones up yeah i i'm wishing you the best of luck i also like sort of started this i definitely had the intent of doing the same project as you but i haven't really picked up many i think literally the schmidt and maybe a purple that like popped up sometimes people like associate me with the set because i tweeted about it a bunch a couple years ago so guys on yeah. twitter will still hit me up with it but um and i have like a youtube video talking about the set that's out there but I'm forever grateful for you for hooking me up with this blue Jason Schmidt. Um, the trade I actually pulled from that $45 box, the blue Scott Rowland that is now in your set. So the San Francisco St. Louis trade was amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. If anyone sees any, if anyone knows who won the Ken Griffey experience or knows anyone at upper deck who worked on the set, please reach out so that we can learn more. I know that um, there's, there's not a lot on the internet about it. Uh, I'm sure there's like a, is there any like blowout forums threads about it, Connor? Have you ever, like any other info on online that you found? Yeah, I saw a, uh, there was a blowout forum where they were comparing it to some other like random insert set from, I don't remember what nineties insert set it was. And basically people were saying like, which one of these is harder to find And And that's one of the things I think you and I have seen is that the people we're competing with aren't power up collectors. It's player collectors um, that have like, picked off, you know, the Griffey or they picked off the Jeter went for about 350 a couple of years ago, you know, and that's really where uh, we're getting people that aren't, you know, they're not purists like us. They're just using it for the, the player collection aspect of it. But I saw somebody speculate that they thought that there was maybe 20 to 25 blues for like every player. Um, obviously they weren't numbered, but I think that they kind of estimated that back based on those pack odds. Um, but it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, and that's one of the cool things, like I said, said about our site, I think, is there's just so many cool cards that have been made. And, you know, the most expensive card I've bought is $100 in this set, but they're so hard to find. And like, you'll find one of the lower parallels for $3 or $5. And it excites me a lot more than, you know, cards that you can just buy anytime you open up, um, you know, any site for $500 or $1,000. It's just they're, they're rare in the true sense of the word, not like a manufactured scarcity or a condition sensitivity. It's just like, you just can't find them. And, and that's pretty fun. Cause you never know when you're going to run into the next one. Yeah. I, I totally love it. It's a, it's one of those eBay, eBay, like not the equivalent of seeing like a card that you never would expect to like be listed, getting an alert saying it got listed somewhere or like yeah. for me, it's like, Oh, the, like some random dude hits me up on Reddit about it they saw my video that has like 60 views and they hits me up like asking me if I know where I, I can get more of them or like people are always hitting me up with the greens at saying like, do you need this green? Do you need this? Yeah, green?" Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I appreciate you reaching out, but I got a million of those. Um, so besides the, the power upset, which is, you know, speaks for itself and its coolness. Uh, do you collect what's like your Yu-Gi-Oh collection? Is there like a, or like TCG collection? Like, yeah, so I haven't got a ton of Yu-Gi-Oh cards recently. I kind of had more of that before I started getting deeper back into sports cards, so like 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, it's a lot of the early sets. I, I watched the Yu-Gi-Oh uh, show growing up, so different characters in the show that was kind of like their, you know, boss monster or whatever in their deck. You know, Dark Magician, Blue Eyes, White Dragon, you know, Red Eyes, Black Dragon, different ones like that are ones that I've got a lot of those cards. Um, there were some McDonald's promos that came out. I think it was... 
it was 2003 or 2004 where McDonald's, they had Yu-Gi-Oh as like a Happy Meal toy. And so there's like a Cosmo Queen and a Millennium Shield, different stuff, probably things that don't resonate for you guys, but just stuff like that, that, you know, I, I look back and remember, and like, that's one of the exciting things about cards. And it's sometimes it's a little um, disheartening because I don't think that probably a lot of the people that talk about cards, maybe it's that childhood enthusiasm behind them still, but I think that's why most people got in and there's nothing more fun than finding stuff you used to collect as a kid and say, okay, you know, when I collected power up, I didn't even know necessarily, I, I actually did pull a Gary Sheffield blue. I can't find it, but I, I pulled it as a kid, but it's like, I didn't know the difference in the colors. I just liked the cards, but it's like now revisiting it and learning about the history of it and, and what cards are more rare than others. It's like, I'm still able to tie in like the, the chase for the better card, you know, that I think drives us as adults, but also kind of the kid, you know, like enthusiasm and kind of why I started out doing it. And so that's kind of the overlap for me with, you know, my collecting for sports cards, my collecting for the trading card stuff, and also kind of the idea for the site is, you know, really people that are interested in, in cards and collecting and not as much, you know, there are people that do flips and things like that, but it's, it's not so like investor oriented or like this thing's moving up 3% this week because, you know, he, uh, he threw a game winning touchdown pass. It's like that, that's not what moves the needle on buysportscards.com at this point. That's cool. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. I, I don't see you posting like, oh, these are the top players selling on the site because I bet it's just like a lot of like these set builders on there just buying a bunch of cool, like random stuff. Um, but we've reached kind of the point in the show, Connor, where we transitioned to, to the recent, the recent activity in the collection. Um, I'm going to let Max, Max, what were you up to this weekend? And then go, can you start off eBay buys of the week for us at the end? Yeah. Um, I went to the Dallas card show I will try to refrain from doom and gloom because I feel like that's what every other talking head is saying right now. Part of it is just because, I mean, I'll keep give the TLDR. Not many new products coming out right now. Part of it is Q3 is generally pretty slow. Every basketball and football are now in season. Baseball just ended and baseball is still not ready to buy yet until we reach spring training. Um, I was worried in the September Dallas card show that, uh, Walker turnout was low because of, I mean, not local walkout turnout, but travel walkout, walk-in turnout was low because of the Burbank card show that preceded it the week prior. But this show in the month is November had, in my opinion, similarly low turnout. Again, they're low turnout in terms of walkers, not in terms of the people that are hardcore cards 24-7. The buying, in my opinion, isn't as strong. Dallas is still the king of all card shows. I have a busy show calendar for the rest of the year. Part of it is tentative. Part of it isn't. But uh, I sold some cool cards. So that was some fun stuff. Do you want to give us some highlights of what you sold? And then we'll, we'll get deeper into your experience yeah. next um, week. But, I also, uh, what you sold and what you bought. Uh, I bought, I have some cards in front of me. So I cracked and regraded my Shohei Otani Tops Heritage red ink auto and it was a bgs9 before and it came back with the exact same subgrades as when i sent it out wow. so That's, remarkable has that ever happened not in my experience so either remarkable consistency by beckett or they saw that when they previously graded but <laughs> regardless I feel like it's probably the latter if they've figured their shit out at all um some cool cards that i now have in my hand that I bought at the Dallas Card Show. Uh, I've had a few of these. These This Kobe 2014 Team USA. Um, blue, silver, prism, unnumbered PSA 10. These are just cool. I bought a Kevin Durant PSA 9 refractor. Maybe it's a 9.5, maybe it's not. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I love this card. I owned this card in January as a PSA 9, but I now own it at PSA 10. Shohei Otani carrying bag short print auto. Um Cool, cool card. Oh, not going to drop any more. Cool card, um, just because it's cool. Bryce Harper in a suit, PSA 10, 2012. In a, in a suit. In a suit. In a suit. Um, and then a Drew Jones BGS9 True Gold Refractor. Um, it is Bowman time. You don't have to love or hate Drew Jones, but it will, it's a card that will probably be up in March. I also... Spent part of the weekend with Mr. Garbage Man Rips, former guest Jason Dardick himself. And I was inspired by his ripping for profit as well as 
coerced by my good friend, certified sports cards, Mr. Max. I saw him ripping hockey boxes and I wanted a box myself. I decided to rip a box. Tommy, I see you're visibly a giant. I'm shocked right now. Can you take a what? You're never going to guess what I ripped. Well, isn't SP Authentic the one that just released? It wasn't hockey. Oh, you guess, did. Oh, guess, I... the, guess the sport I ripped, first of all. Hobby Soccer? Soccer? No. Kinda. Oh. Warmer. MMA? Uh, Chronicles UFC. Okay. All right, that's wrestling to me, kind of, right? Yeah, well, that's why I, said, why I didn't say no. Um, I ripped a box, 140 bucks a box. I degen ripped like 20 blasters of these back in the day. And I've always kind of gravitated toward the set because I enjoy how Tommy's giving me such a look. But I swear, I like how there's 400 cards in the set. It's predominantly star or really scrub players. And like there's the zero to one hundreds, which are commons, and then the zero, then the one hundred, two hundred, then two hundred, three hundred, then three hundred to four hundred, which was hard, hobby exclusive. My thinking, I didn't even recognize that there were kabooms in this, and possibly in this box. My thinking was, not a product many people are ripping, so maybe I get some, maybe I pull a gold, and I did. I pulled a gold Sean Brady auto obsidian out of ten, and I didn't just hit a gold, I hit a one one of Li Jingliang of National Treasures. And again, cool thing about National Treasures base is that it's card 460. Cards number 400 to 500 are Hobby Box exclusives. So I pulled the one of one parallel of an also Hobby Box exclusive card that you can't get in retail. So Damn. for 140 bucks, I enjoyed myself. I want to try to do more of like the expected value after grading positive EV. But it calmed my nerves actually being able to rip a hobby box and have a low cost of have a low floor, but also the potentially high ceiling. So that's, that's my cool. anecdote. That's wild. I am completely shocked you ripped the box, but I'm also excited that you pulled a one-on-one. It's cool that national treasures cool. is in Chronicles for UFC. Like, is there not UFC national treasures? There is at least. Um, but yeah, that's why I specifically, I knew, again, I've ripped this product before like two years ago. And so I've like studied the checklist and so I've also knew that the singles sell all right on eBay because there's just no one that rips it. But if you rip a bunch of tops flagship, unless you're the first to list it, although I do still get single sales that trickle into this day for my, I opened a box of 2020 complete set. That's the product 2020 complete set, the green boxes that had the foil board parallels I was like, you know, I'll just you know list every card on eBay, and then if someone takes multiples and profiting, and then it'll just make my cost lower. Of like base cards, base cards. And, I, and I and I still get hits. I still will get like a Randall Gritchick um, base card bought for ninety nine cents, and the rationale is I lose ten cents, but I gain another transaction on eBay and a positive feedback. So like that's kind of why I do it. But well, the, I think I'm going to start messaging those people that buy those cards from you and telling them about buysportscards.com. It's 25 cents on BSC, man. Don't don't do the transaction. I get paid 25 cents per transaction. How can I lose on that? Yeah. Um, Did, all right, Max. What it, do you you get one more card? Oh no, those those were all the cards I, I bought. Or give us <laughs> I mean, one sale. Give us one sale. Am I am I going to the eBay buys? Yeah, you can do eBay buys, but also give one sale from Dallas. One sale. I sold my, I think two biggest sales or two most interesting sales for me were my LeBron James PSA 10 Kaboom scoring champs. Or no, my scoring champs. Uh, it's the pose of LeBron um, breaking Kareem's scoring title record. I want to say I was into that for like 1300 or 1200 raw plus like 150 bucks a grade. And then I sold it for thirty seven hundred. So by my math, that's like two thousand two hundred fifty dollars profit, give or take. That's pretty cool. It's a lot. And of then burritos. I sold my. That's a lot of burritos. Ooh, that's that's rent money. Um, and then the, I, yeah. Taco Factor, yeah. And then I sold my PSA ten Shet Holmgren Tiger Select for one thousand seven hundred fifty. And I bought that card raw for like six hundred dollars or so. Took me forty bucks to grade, and that's like a grand. Dude, you've been making a lot on Shet. 
I make a lot on chat when he doesn't go down in price. Seven blocks in one game. Isn't that so much fun? That's fun. That's <laughs> fun. All right. Wait, give us an eBay buy or give us some eBay buys, and then Connor's gonna give us his recent additions. Okay. My three eBay buys of the week. Again, usually we do top five or you know, maybe a few few fewer when we have guests, but I, I haven't even gotten five eBay buys this week. So this is a me I need to I'm do I'm pumping rookie numbers right now. Um, I bought a Masataka Yoshida 2023 Bowman Chrome Orange Auto to 25 or $336. I bought a 2018 Panini Select Josh Allen Copper Field Level PSA 9 for $635. And then I bought a 2022 Tops Stadium Club Chrome Shohei Otani Orange Refractor Auto PSA 10 for $1,420. Damn. All right. Those are pretty cool. I had a pause because it was your favorite number. For, oh, is, is it card number 420? Is that what no, you said? $1,420. Oh, nice. I'd love and to see that. Cents. And I wish. It was, it was in 91 cents. I, I was double checking to see if it was 69 our, cents. Our, our, our old guest uh, at Playboy Cards, I think he did sell a card on eBay for 420.69 one time. And he was yeah. that was his favorite thing of all time. And there's, uh, there's been a few times that when I'm bidding on an auction where it's like, if, I, if my max bid is like around $400, I'll try to bid like 390, you know, or like 300 E, my math is being really bad right now, like 394. So then it would bump up to 420 or whatever the math is. My, my math is really bad tonight. Okay. It's been a Yeah, you're, you're struggling. But $25 under 420, so that'd be 395. There you go. All right, Connor, I... I want to hear your recent additions, and then I got two quick questions about the site that just have fast answers. Yeah, yeah. so I, uh, like I said, I picked up um, earlier. I think it either yesterday or today a uh, one of the purple zombies for the set, so that was good. I got this on our site actually, so that's it. Kind of comes full circle. We were joking around um, before where it's like I think maybe that was the whole plan is just build the marketplace to help me finish my collection, right? It's like a, I'm an evil genius. Uh, it's not just about about the marketplace i got um i told you before donner studio so these um these are like the, the best parallel it's the uh the studio proof i don't know is a platinum one they're numbered to 10 so i got jason isren housing who was a, a closer for the cardinals this is 2005 so i watched him uh this is not a sports card but i did pick it up somewhat recently from 2002 uh it's they're i don't know if can you see kind of the hollow on them yeah, you, you, I can, is it like a chrome card or is it just a foil? Yeah, no, it's not chrome. It's like a foil that they have, um, like kind of a foil design on like a web, basically. On uh, Yeah, so it's from the yeah. 2002 Spider-Man set. So I, I basically got all of the inserts that they had. So they had some that were like almost like the clearly Donruss cards where it's like a, it's a web, but then you can see clear through it. And then they also have these, which have some some different holographic stuff on them too. So, you know, once again, 2002, Obviously, you know, I, uh, I miss my childhood, right? It's 2002 to 2005 was kind of my sweet spot for cards and, and pop culture stuff. So that's kind of where I keep going back to on this stuff. Hey, that's that's what it's all about. I love the Josh Beckett Marlins blue color match there. That's a pretty sick one. Um, yeah. All right. I have a, a couple quick questions about your site. Yep. What's the hot? Is there do you know who has had the most cards transacted? Like which player? The Probably Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, even you know, you had mentioned before, so like like the hottest players and stuff like that. I think we see that it's just typically lower dollar transactions. You know, one of the kind of interesting like little nuggets about our site, you know, because I've talked to different people at eBay and some of these other sites, and eBay is like typically like one and a half to two cards is their average checkout for sports cards. It's typically like very transactional. Um, our site is thirty cards per checkout, so we're seeing like a lot of people shopping, building big cards. It's very more experiential than transactional. Um, and we've actually had people that have checked out with over 1500 cards in their card. So, you know, we, we see some big, uh, cards like that, but yeah, like Shohei Otani has been since we launched back in March of 22 has been pretty far and away, uh, the number one player. People really love Shohei Otani. That's sick. Uh, that kind of leads me into my next question, sort of. Like, how, do you, is it only US or do you know how many countries have bought cards on your site? Yeah. So we're US only right now. Um, you know, one of the things that we do for the sellers is that we handle all the 1099 stuff and we also handle sales tax remittance for them. 
um, so that everybody's in compliance. You know, I know there's some sites that don't really do that and it's fine, I guess, as long as the IRS isn't listening um, for them, but we, we do all that stuff. And so when it gets into cross-border transactions and, you know, having to link to people's bank accounts and handling, you know, taxes for income and stuff, uh, Canada would probably be the next one we'd expand to. And we've, we've thought about it and we want to, and we probably will. Um, but just, there's some language barriers in parts of Canada, you know, the French Canadians. And then, like I said, um, when we're, you're using and connecting to the Canadian post and some of the tax stuff, it just becomes a lot of moving pieces and parts. And it's like, we haven't quite conquered the U S yet. You know, we've got tens of thousands of people that are, you know, using our site in an even month, but you know, once again, I, I we're kind of U S only until we, you know, bury the, you know, kind of get that bear the hatches down here before we expand out. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then last question for you is what's like the randomest set that sells a lot that you wouldn't have expected before. Or like any sort of weird fact about like this like person or parallel sells just the, a ton. Yeah, I think I'd be surprised how much junk wax stuff really sells. Um, even at 25 cents a card. I mean, and there's a good business. You know, I know Max mentioned the complete set stuff. There's guys that do that on our site. And there's also people that'll pick, you know, um, they'll go pick up 87 tops, the full set for 15 bucks on eBay or somewhere else with 700 cards. And they'll go list them on our site at 25 cents you know, a card and they'll move through, you know, and make pretty decent money kind of with that arbitrage, I guess, over time. Uh, so I'd say junk wax, it surprises me, you know, it gets a terrible rap that era, but like people really love those cards from like 87 to 93. And, you know, understandably other sets, like as you get into the later nineties are cooler and more popular, but I'm surprised just how many people uh, buy those cards. And I'm also really surprised how many people that we have come to our website when we do surveys and stuff that they don't go to card shows at all. They don't watch, you know, YouTube about cards, any of this stuff, but there's just so many more collectors out there that I think sometimes when we're in this bubble, we think, and you know, that I'm glad that BSC can hopefully be an entryway for them back into the hobby. But that's been really surprising to me because, you know, doing stuff like this is a great way to reach people. And I think that's what a lot of people think about, but there's, there's people way outside of the circle and it's like, how do we continue to reach them? Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, thanks. I, those are really cool answers. Honestly, I didn't, wasn't expecting the, the junk wax volume, but my buys of the week real quick. Uh, I bought this 2008 LeBron James chalk toss gold parallel out of 2008 awesome. on Twitter. Um, the guy, you know, priced on condition, very white corners and borders, but one of the more iconic cards of my, you, know, you got it for up. discount. I got it for 60 bucks. That's cool. Um, which I was like, it was there for three hours before I took it. But after I pressed take on it, there's like four people DM me about it. Like, I mean, that's one of the more iconic cards. I pulled one of them growing up out of a 08 tops pack, which was sick. But the gold parallels are sweet. I have the Durant and the Westbrook from that set gold parallels. I think yeah. now I got to go after one of the Kobe's. The Kobe's go for like two to 300 raw in the worst conditions. So maybe I'll run into like a beat up Kobe LeBron guarding Kobe one, one day and be able to pick that up. But was hyped about that. Um, I bought this Reggie Sanders Donruss souvenirs base relic from the 2002 world series. Uh, the base was cut from an authentic base used in game two of the 2002 world series game wow. two of that series also had like, it was 11 to 10. So whatever base this was, was absolutely destroyed probably by the end of that game, 11 to 10. Um, I got that for $9 plus $4 shipping on eBay, which was height, which was cool. And then what was my one other one? I bought a 2015 top snow camo out of 99 Tim Hudson for 99 cents plus $1 shipping on eBay, which I was hyped about too. Tim Hudson had a couple of good years in the Giants. Um, and then friend of the podcast at old man cards is, uh, going after all the 2015 snow camos of the giants. So I'm actually just going to be hooking him up with that one. So those are my buys of the week. Uh, Connor, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I hope everyone checks out your site. Um, and then where, where they can, can they find you and the site, like on social media and do a quick ad for where people can go. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on. It was good talking to you guys. It's fun to kind of dive more into what I like to collect because sometimes talking about the business becomes, you know, a lot, but um, yeah, we're on, we're everywhere at buy sports cards. So we're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
uh, YouTube. And then obviously you can go to our website at buysportscards.com. Uh, like I said, we'd love the support. Give us a chance. A lot of cool stuff on the website, a lot of good prices. Sweet. Uh, Max, we'll talk more about Dallas next week, but uh, how are you I'll feeling be, going I'll into the week? I'm traveling. What? You're traveling next week? I'm traveling. Where are you going? West Palm Beach, Florida. For, sh- for show? For show. Nice. All right. And well... then I have Chicago with you the week mm-hmm. after. And then I might have Philly. And I might have I have another show in, in December. Uh, Raleigh. Nice. Well, I'm excited for your trip out to Chicago. And you see everybody during the week on social media always posting about cards. Thanks to Connor for coming on and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.